0: And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant, A L L I A N T dot com, and check it out.
1: All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast?
0: Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby.
2: I'm unstoppable. I'm a Porsche with no brakes. I'm invincible. that yeah, I would every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Yeah, I'm unstoppable today.
0: April twenty seventh. Two thousand and twenty-three. Welcome everybody to the Women and Money Podcast. And everybody smart enough to listen. Today is Ask Katie and Susie anything as I'm watching. KT, what are you doing over there?
3: I'm I have so many questions. KT, you I say that a, all the no, time. No
0: but today we have like a lot.
3: That I a, think I've been collecting, but I, I made the the opening questions are short, but they're all very interesting. Some of them are a little bit emotional rather than financial. Ooh. I like mixing them up.
0: You do, everybody. Yeah. In case you're wondering, how do you get to have your question answered on the Women in Money podcast, send it to KT. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> Just send in your question to asksuzie, Podcast at gmail.com or better yet, you can also do that via the Women & Money Community app. All you do is you go to Apple Apps or Google Play, download Women & Money app, and you can send it in via there as well. Also, you know, KT, we have a fabulous community. On the Women in Money app. Yeah,
3: they really respond to, I mean, on our anniversary, how many wishes did we get? Almost like 900.
0: 900 people. A lot of them, a lot of likes or whatever. And I saw you looking on there today. Mm -hmm. And did you take a question from there?
3: Yeah, I did, Susie. I I kind of was attracted to the name Limboha. It's from Limboha. So Limboha, if you're listening, I'm going to ask your question first.
0: Mm. All right. So but wait, you know what today is? Yeah, colo comes home, everybody.
3: We're so excited. Yeah, he's coming in from Colombia this morning. Soon as we're done with this podcast, we're going to go greet him with a delicious cup of coffee. I call it we we call it his
0: shot, his shot. Want a shot? Colo? We give him
3: a little espresso. We have an espresso machine and he loves it. And the morning when he walks by, we say, Colo, come on in for a shot. A shot.
0: <laughs> All right.
3: All right. Ready? So first question, Susie, is from Limboha. Hi, Susie. For gift I-bonds, does the five-year rule start when gifted or redeemed?
0: Do you know the answer to that, Katie? I KT? do. What is it?
3: It's when it's gifted, when you open it.
0: Yes, yeah, so everybody, and just so you know, Katie, I answered this person directly.
3: Oh, so Limbo already has the answer? Yes, oh. so you have
0: to look under where it says replies, and you'd see that I answered this person. Listen, for those of you who have been purchasing I-bonds, And you purchased an I-Bond by gifting it to somebody. That is one way that you could have locked in the 7.12% interest or the 9.62% at the time and kept it in a gift box. And then when you were ready to actually gift it to and transfer it to the person who you bought it for, i did a whole podcast on gifting i bonds still a wonderful thing to do if it's something that you want to do but the 5 year time clock because remember when you buy an i bond the very first year you can't touch it and then for the next 4 years there is a 3 month interest penalty that time clock starts the day that you purchased it for somebody else even if you just kept it in your gift box in your uh, count, all right, Katie, Susie. Next question, still on the
3: same topic of i bonds. This is from Judy. Susie, I'm still confused. Should I or should I not? <laughs>
0: <Another> <laughs> wait, wait, stop. Wait, stop, everybody. To be or not wait. to be. So. When KT did that thing, should I remodel or not? It was on Shakespeare at take yes, of on TP or knew not that. Be. I was teasing her and I was egging her on to maybe play with me with it cuz she forgot the or not. Did you part know of I it.
3: studied Shakespeare when I was in school?
0: I loved Shakespeare.
3: I was in art school in the old How could I have been with you for
0: 22 years and this is first time
3: I'm hearing? Oh, you didn't know about me and Shakespeare. Do I look like I have I books of the full works of Shakespeare in our locker, in our storage locker? <laughs> it's a big book. Why
0: don't we read? I should it?
3: read the plays to you. I I love Shakespeare so. So Judy wrote so that w- she's where still did, confused. Wait,
0: where did "How now, dead for a duke cat dead" come from?
3: How now, dead?
0: <laughs> Never mind. Never Go mind. on. I don't like that one. All right. Shakespeare. Icon. All
3: right. So Judy wrote, I'm still confused. Should I, or should I not redeem the I bonds I bought at what you just mentioned? 7.12% and 9.62%. So she's asking you, she's confused. Is it yes, time that she should Yes. It's confused because I'm not them?
0: liking the new interest rates that I bonds are offering. Um, I think in the long run, there could be better investments out there. But people are taking that to mean that I want you to redeem and get out of I-bonds. I do not. I do not. I do not. Listen to me. If you purchased I-bonds in the past, especially starting when they were at 7.12% about a year or so ago, at the 9.62% a while ago, I want you to just stay in there. You are not to redeem them. Do you hear me? Yes, your renewal will be the 6.89 when your six months was up, the annualized yield. Yes, your renewal will be after the 6.89 is up, the 3.79, which comes out to be about 5.4%. Don't have a problem with that. But now you're into years that you have owned some of your I-bonds. And it is possible if inflation continues down and you wait long enough, even though there's a three-month interest penalty to get out, inflation may be low enough that the interest penalty is gonna be hardly anything. So no, you are to keep them, Judy, and don't you touch them. They are worth their weight in gold. Okay, next question, (laughs) Susie, is from Lynn. My husband
3: and I are turning 58. He wants to buy a boat and cruise around during our retirement. I think we should actually shop around for long-term care insurance, Susie. What do you think? And then then she wrote a little note that they're both in good health right now.
0: That should have been your quizzy. Listen, I can tell you, because KT and I own a boat, when you look at a boat, it's breaking. Something is breaking when you are just looking at it. A boat really is a thing that you can enjoy cruising around on as long as it's not broken, as long as it doesn't need a repair, as long as a pump hasn't gone, as long as something like that. However, if it is a choice between sinking your money into (laughs) a boat, especially because boats are expensive right now because they are hard to get, Mm -hmm. versus protecting everything that you have so you can sail off into the sunset with long-term care insurance, protecting your assets. Are you kidding me? Just knock some sense into that husband of yours. No way should he be buying a boat if it is a choice between the two.
3: And what age is the best age to buy long-term care insurance? I'm telling you right now
0: is the perfect age for them because premiums change at about 59. There's a big difference between buying it in your 50s and then buying it in your 60s. Phyllis Shelton Mm, is the the nation's expert. And many of you know, because you write me, You contact her, you talk to her, she helps you or one of her people help you. They do not charge you. We have gotten so many thank you letters. It's not even funny. So go on to the Women and Money app and you will find under long-term care how you contact her. Just that simple. She's so fabulous. And by the way, we do not get a referral fee.
3: Susie, next question's from Annie.
0: Annie. My mom,
3: who is 92 and failing, recently told me that my sister, ready for this one, convinced her to change her will and leave everything to my sis instead of the two of us. My mom is afraid uh. to change it again and hurt my sister's feelings. <laughs> oh God! I'm the one who takes care of my mom every day.
0: Susie, what should I do? That's such a time. I know,
3: these these things happen in life. Well, they happened
0: to me, do you remember this? That my nephew convinced my mother, who he thought had a whole lot of money. He thought my mother had a lot of money because I wanted her to think that my daddy made enough money to support her. I never wanted her to feel bad that it was the daughter and I was spending money on her. So she thought that her husband was able to support her in her life after he died. And my nephew called my mother and said, can you, Granny, can you please change your trust to leave everything to me, but make sure that you don't tell Susie about it. And my mother told me, exact same story, Katie. True story, my mother told me, right? And I said, mom, you can do anything you want since I knew there was nothing to be left. Mm-hmm. What a surprise upon her death. So believe it or not, I totally can relate to this one in so a very what do strange you think, way. So what do you think Annie should do? So first of all, Annie, what amount of money, that's the reason I told the story that I just did, what amount of money are we talking about? Does your mommy have a lot? Does your sister really know? Is there really very little money? Are you going to use up all the money to take care of her so in the end there won't be anything? You have to think about that, number one. Number two, you can't be mad at your mom. You can't be hurt because maybe your mother looks at you and goes, oh, Annie, you're fine. You have money or you're capable or whatever. And maybe she feels so sorry for your sister because maybe your sister is a loser, obviously, because she asked your mother to do that. But she looks at your sister and feels really bad about something that maybe happened. We'll never know. There's no way that we're ever going to know. But here's what I want to tell you. The fact that you're able to take care of your mother every day, and your mother knows that, it's an incredible, incredible honor and really worth all the money in the world that you get to do that. Don't make your mom feel bad. Just now you know about your sister. And maybe one day you can sit down with your sister and say, you know, mom told me, what you did why did you do that maybe if you need the money as much as she does that you can say i need that money too and talk about it with her with your sister with with your sister sister, not not with the 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 mother but i agree if you do not talk about this with your sister you will harbor such resentment for the rest of your life so if i were you i would take this time to say sis We need to talk. Okay, this is from Lorna.
3: Dear Susie and KT, I hope you're both doing well. My name is Lorna. I've been a fan since the CNBC days. Wow. My husband and I would watch you on Saturday nights and have never looked back. That means that they loved everything you did every Saturday night. Well, hopefully
0: all of you are watching the Susie Orman Show on Amazon's free V. So free V because all 600 episodes are there. Fabulous, fun to watch, fun to relive the Can I Afford It segments. And the best part about it is it's free. You don't have to pay to stream them. All right. Okay, so here's what Lorna said. Years ago, my
3: attorney set up an irrevocable insurance trust to hold term life insurance if anything ever happened to us for our son. We do have all the must-have documents, although we never set up the revocable trust, and we are confused as to what we should do. So here's my question. Should I keep my irrevocable insurance trust
0: and replace it with the revocable trust or keep both? Good question, Susie. That should have been your quizzy. Yeah. Right? Do you even know what an irrevocable life insurance trust is? Yeah. What?
3: An irrevocable.
0: I don't know what a life
3: insurance trust is, but then you never can't mind. change it. Then,
0: all right. So you know the word irrevocable. Yeah, I got it. I don't it. know what a life insurance... All right, sweetheart. I still love you. So what should she do? So here's the thing, everybody. Life insurance, when you own it, and let's say it's in your name is the owner. Maybe you're the insured and your children, maybe they're the beneficiaries and you die then it is part of your estate. And a lot of you have a whole lot of life insurance. So it depends on how much life insurance you happen to have and your other assets. Now, a spouse, two spouses, can leave any amount of money to each other that they want. So KT, we could have a billion dollars which I hope we do one day. But anyway, (laughs) a billion dollars. I could leave it to you. You could leave it to me. No estate taxes whatsoever. But currently, the maximum that one of you can leave to beneficiaries other than a spouse is about $12.9 million. So between you and your spouse, you can leave close to $25 million. That, is a lot of money. However, in the year 2025, that is just two years from now, take out your little Susie notebooks and write this down. The estate tax limit is going to sunset. That means the laws that allowed it to go up to where it is right now go away And it is possible that the estate tax limit will be under $6 million at that point in time. So if you had a life insurance policy, let's say you had term insurance, you were young, and it was $2 million on each of you. That's $4 million. And you have a home and you have all these other things. And let's say the two of you happen to be killed in a car crash or something like that happened, and you left it to your children or beneficiaries, you would be over the estate tax limit because of the insurance. If you own insurance in an irrevocable life insurance trust, the owner is the trust, the beneficiary is the trust, which could be the children or whoever you want it to be, you would still be the insured. But if both of you died, it is not in your estate. So you could have a whole lot of life insurance plus your assets held in a different trust, like a revocable trust, and there'd be no estate taxes on it at that point. So therefore, I would keep both of them. We'll see what happens in 2025. And it's just something that you should all keep your eyes on. All right. Mm. Do you think they're going to lower it? I have no idea what this Congress is going to do (laughs) on any level. Okay, enough politics for me. Yeah, we do not. Tell tell everybody the rule.
3: No politics politics in this
0: household household ever. ever.
3: (laughs) Okay. Because it Kim- wouldn't do us
0: any good if No we politics
3: ever. So this is from Kimberly. Hi, Susie. I have a Roth 401k through work who matches 100%. That's great, Kimberly. Up to 6%, which I'm taking full advantage of. Great. Not many companies offer
0: 100% No, match. there are, Katie. Oh, Some great. even offer more, up to 6%. Right. Yeah
3: do I also need to open a Roth contributory IRA personally or just stick with my work 401k?
0: Yeah. The reason, Kimberly, I would want you to also open up a contributory Roth is because it works very different than a Roth 401k. A contributory Roth where you can contribute up to $6,500 a year if you're under 50, $7,500 a year if you are 50 or older, is because any money that you originally put in to a Roth IRA, you can take out with any taxes or penalties, regardless of your age or how long that money has been in there. That's number one. Number two, however, When you have a Roth 401k, yes, I know it may have been in there for eight years, 10 years, 20 years, but when you retire and then you take that Roth 401k and you roll it or transfer it to a Roth IRA, the time clock will start all over again. That five year time clock that I always talk about will start all over again unless you already have a Roth IRA in force. And then it just takes on the time limit of the Roth IRA that you started. So for many reasons, I would like you to also do a Roth IRA, more things that you can invest in, more diversification, more liquidity. And if you have enough money, you can max out the Roth 401k at work and your Roth IRA. Now you are saving a whole lot of money.
3: All right, Katie. Okay, next question. Hi, Susie and Katie. I am 41. I have two young boys, six year old and 20 month old. I am a recent widow. I'm updating my beneficiaries to both of my sons, but I think I recall you mentioning in a podcast that if you're a single parent, who has young children you should also include an adult as a beneficiary so they can receive the money right away in case something happens to me otherwise they would wait until they're uh, adults right 18, 18 or, whatever. or 21 depending yeah. on state um so she's asking you know should i have my two boys and an adult or just one adult as the beneficiary so they can give the money to the boys.
0: No, no, no. Listen to me. You did not hear me ever say, leave a beneficiary to get all the money to then give it to your kids. You can't trust anybody. I don't care who that person is. I'll never forget there was a woman who I was very close with. She worked at a TV place and her husband died and the husband left the money for their kids. They had gotten divorced, right? So ex-husband left the money for the kids with somebody else who ran away with all the money in the hopes that this person was going to take care of the kids. No, no, no. What you did hear me say is the following. You need to set up a living revocable trust. You would be the owner of the trust. You would be the trustee of the trust. So therefore, you would have a successor trustee Mm. and leave specific instructions for that successor trustee as to what should be done with that money upon your death and then it's all documented. You will also need a will, because it's with a will that you assign who is going to be the guardian of those children, so that when you die, they're still very young, who is going to take care of them. And that guardian is appointed via a will. If you do not appoint somebody When that will goes through, or your estate goes through probate, a judge has the authority to appoint what's called a probate guardian, anybody they want. So you don't want to see that happen. So that's exactly what you need to do. You know, you're still very vulnerable right now. Obviously, we have the must-have documents that you can absolutely order by going to Suzy S U Z E Susieorman.com slash offer. And you can download them there and go through them. But maybe in your particular situation, since you want to be really clear on everything that you do, maybe if you have the money, you should consult an attorney and make sure that the attorney sets it all up correctly for you. But you are not, and I repeat, you are not to leave the money for your children to a beneficiary. Because remember, that person, besides maybe not giving it to them, can also die. Something Mm. could happen to them. If you leave it to that person, I just want to go on about this for a second. Because the other things that I've seen happen is that you've left it to your sister your sister who absolutely loves your children more than life itself and will take care of them financially with the money that you left them. Your sister doesn't really have a will or anything. Your sister is then killed in a car crash and this money that she has for the benefit of your kids, but nobody knows that, but your sister now goes to her children Mm. or her husband, And there go your kid's inheritance. So no, 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 no. All right. You look so sad. No, because those are
3: such, that's a real sad scenario. She has two little boys, a
0: tiny baby, a widow. That's why a living revocable trust really, Katie, is so important.
3: People don't realize you can keep changing it through your lifetime, As times and situations change. Yeah. We change ours all the time.
0: As a recent widow, just be careful. Mm. Just keep your money safe and sound right now. Yeah.
3: Okay. Hi, Katie and Susie. Thank you for your podcast and putting a smile on my face. <laughs> chucky, I like chucky, that chucky, di- yuck, 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 yuck. So I have a question. My non-working spouse has an old Roth IRA and traditional IRA with an advisor. As far as I can tell, the AUM fees are around 1.4%. So that's
0: the annual maintenance fees. Right. Yeah.
3: The the fee for the advisor, which basically negates the sixty five hundred max contribution to his traditional IRA allowed annually. What are the logistics of moving these IRAs to a Vanguard or Fidelity account? The advisor has made it difficult to leave, but does my spouse need to open an account at Vanguard first, then sign paperwork at both places?
0: Yeah. So here's the thing, everybody. When you have a financial advisor that's making it difficult to leave, Mm -hmm. what all of you need to remember, this is your money. This is not your advisor's money. The advisor and the firm have no, in most cases, control over your money. A really good advisor would help you, would help you because they would want you to feel comfortable. And if you want to leave, they would say, okay, and make it easy for you to leave. So that's another reason that you should be leaving this person, just so you know. You simply would go to Vanguard or Fidelity or any institution that you want to open up an IRA with, and it will be a transfer. It will go from the account that you have, wherever it is, directly to that account. Also, the company that you open it up with Tell them that your advisor is giving you trouble. Can they just contact that advisor? Nothing needs to be signed with that advisor or whatever, and it will just go. Now to take your power. I would not be silent about this. I would call the advisor and I would say, listen, and listen closely. I don't like that you've been making it difficult for me. I am transferring my account. You are going to get paperwork from such and such, and you better make this easy and fast, or I am going to lodge a complaint against you. Do you hear me? You take your power, girlfriend. Stop being afraid of somebody just because they have this title, a financial advisor. They are no different than any of you. Also, KT just handed me your email, and the other part of the question that she didn't read is will your investments need to be sold and repurchased with the new broker? No, No. they will transfer by what's called in-kind, meaning whatever you have in your account will transfer the exact same way that you have it. So in the new firm that you're with, you will own the exact same things. That's called transfer in kind. All right, KT.
3: Okay, next is from Angela. Dear Susie, I believe I have made a huge mistake by getting involved with LIRPs. That is life insurance retirement plans, yep, everybody. Did. Oh, one for me and one for my son. The concept was presented to me as a way to pull out money pay off student loans when the time came. My son was in high school when I started these. He is now 24. I am 56. To date, I have paid $39,000 and it has been a struggle. If I had simply put aside that money, I could have paid off one of my son's student loans by now. If I cancel, I will only recoup a very small fraction of what I put in. I don't know what to do take the loss and get out or keep paying into it. And then Angela wrote this, Susie, which I want you to tell her not to feel this way. She said, I feel incredibly stupid, embarrassed, and scared. I would appreciate any advice you have. Listen, Angela, let me share something with you. When I met Susie, I lived in Hong Kong, and I was sold a life whole life insurance policy as a means of having a retirement account when the time came. And I was you know, relatively young when I bought into it. The day I met Susie Orman, she made me cancel it, sell out, take the loss. And she said, for the amount of money, KT, that you're putting in every year, I'm going to show you what you can invest in and recoup it, even double that.
0: And she did. <laughs> so here's the thing, Angela. Don't feel stupid. Right. You shouldn't feel incredibly stupid, embarrassed, and scared. Because millions of people, I'm sure, have been told that life insurance, retirement plans are the way to go. Now, if you are extremely wealthy, right, and you're worried about estate taxes and things like that, okay. But these LIRPs essentially work under the guise that you put money in, they're tax deferred, and the way that you take money out is through a loan. And you don't have to pay taxes on it because it's a loan. So you've put $39,000 in, I would not continue to fund this on any other level, because it has been a struggle. But you are also not to live your life with I could have, should have, would have. This is what you did. So the real question becomes, now what do you do? Obviously, you need to meet with this salesperson. Notice I said salesperson. Anyway, and you need to find out what happens if you just don't make any more contributions or pay any more premiums whatsoever. What happens? That's number one. Number two, if you decide that you want to take this money out, and you want to take it out as a loan, you need to make sure that you understand how your policy works, because most policies work this way. Listen carefully, everybody. You put in a lot of money. Now you want to take out A lot of money as a loan. But a loan has interest on it. Even if it's what's called a net 0% loan, there is interest within the policy. You have to believe me on this. So you have to make sure that you leave enough money within this policy that it generates enough interest to pay the fees and the interest on this policy. Otherwise, if you don't, then the amount of money that you left in will get smaller and smaller as it pays for everything. And then what happens? It's gone and the policy then is gone. Once the policy is gone, it's no longer there. Now, you very probably will owe income tax on the loan, because now the loan really isn't a loan anymore, because the policy's over. Now, that may have sounded complicated, but that is exactly how these policies work. So therefore, when you sit down and talk to this person, you have to make sure that you understand what your choices are to either get your money out, but never have the policy expire and or leave it like it is and see what happens to the money or you take it out and that is it you just close it out and it's gone all right now you know kt okay, i have what time
3: a, is it susie is going that went fast right did it thursday's always go fast for me i don't know why Maybe I'm excited because
0: Colo's coming home. I was going to say, or (laughs) it would have been sweet if you said, because I get to sit here in the studio and look at you and the faces you make. And I just love spending time with you. But then we spend almost 24 (laughs) hours a day together. So I guess it's not a big treat. All right, sweetheart. Quizzy time is simply where I ask KT and all of you a question. Think about it and see if you know how to answer it, because these are questions that you really should know how to answer. This is from Kristen, she says, we've only opened Roth IRAs, but received a traditional IRA from my hubby's mom on her passing. Mm. It's $33,000. Should we convert it right away, half now and half next year, Or leave it there. The hubby is fifty two. Think about it. So she just has inherited with her hubby thirty three thousand dollars from hubby's mom that had thirty-three thousand dollars in a traditional IRA. They've now inherited it and they want to convert it to their Roth IRAs and their questions are, should we convert it right away, half now and half next year or leave it there? Dic, dic, and dic, how dic, old dic. is he? 52. Hmm. Da, 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 da. Come on, Katie. I would
3: do, I think I would do half now and half later.
0: Final answer? Maybe. <laughs> what do you mean maybe? Maybe.
3: But is there? A, can you? Is there a um, a time limit on how much time you have? Before, uh, no, uh, is there a time limit? Uh, okay, uh, I got it wrong.
0: Very easy. You can't convert it at all. When you inherit oh, a traditional a IRA, <laughs> well, this is what Kristen wanted to know. When you inherit an IRA, you cannot transfer it to a Roth at all. It goes into a traditional inherited account in your hubby's name. Mm -hmm. And depending how old mommy was when she died, you will have essentially 10 years max to wipe this account clean. All right. So you ten, within ten years you have to take that money out. Yeah, and you can you should be taking it out yearly, and when you take it out you're going to owe income yeah, taxes on, on it. it. So why then put it in a Roth to begin with? Mm. I mean, you can if you want to take that money and put it into a contributory Roth as you take it out and it pay taxes on it, as part of your contribution to your Roth IRA, but you cannot convert it on any level. I didn't know that. Well, of course you didn't. (laughs) Do all of you get surprised when she says, I didn't know that? I'm not being sarcastic or mean with KT because the truth of the matter is 99% of you got that one wrong. I know it. So KT, you don't have to feel bad about that at all. All right. So until... Sunday Susie School, where I will tell all of you why I think there's a good chance oil could go back up. There's only one thing that we want you to say every single day, and it is as follows today. Wherever I go, I will create
3: a more peaceful, joyful, and loving world.
0: And again, if you do that, you will become Unstoppable. unstoppable. Talk to you soon. Bye, bye everybody.
2: Bye. I'm unstoppable. I'm a boy with no brakes. I'm invincible. Yeah, I I winned every single day. Mine's all powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Yeah, I'm unstoppable today.
1: Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer.